What's going on, gamers? It's your boy, Diggs Gaming. Welcome back to Unplugged Gaming News. And I have a few things to talk about today. We're just going to jump right in with an update from Activision Blizzard. No, this is not about Microsoft. That's coming later. However, Activision Blizzard has received yet another sexual harassment lawsuit. Now, they've also been accused of sexual battery, failure to prevent harassment, gender discrimination, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And this is between a former Activision Blizzard employee, Miguel Vera, and an unnamed female employee who, uh, who Vera was the manager for. And the unnamed female employee was fired a month after she had reported Vega to uh, the higher-ups. And I found out about this from IGN. I'm going to leave a link to the article in the description below because I'm not going to go into too much detail about this. But it is pretty disturbing, and if this is true... It is not a good look for anyone at this point. It, it really isn't. And it's just one after another after another for Activision Blizzard. It is getting really bad right now. And it really baffles me just how bad it got for Activision Blizzard. I just cannot believe with all the lawsuits that they've had for sexual harassment. And it, it's just really bad. And... And again, this just goes back down to the CEO, Bobby Kotick, who himself has been accused of sexual harassment. And he's the one that oversaw this. As soon as the buyout happens with Microsoft, changes better be coming for them. Because if the same thing happens when Microsoft takes over, then really, I, I don't know what more to say about this. But another sexual harassment lawsuit for Activision Blizzard. And this one is pretty disturbing. Next up, Take-Two CEO Strauss Zolnick, hopefully I pronounced that right, had a response to Microsoft's portion of Activision. And he was actually talking about how games compete with each other. This was his quote. Ultimately, the consumer votes, and if we create great hits, which is our business, then consumers will show up, and no one can take that away from us. The entertainment business is the antithesis of budgetable, commoditized business. Every title stands alone. So it sort of doesn't compete with anything, and yet it's highly competitive in a way. In other words, we compete with everything, and we compete with nothing. You can't replace one of our titles with another title. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. We always talk about, oh, this, this game is competing with this other game, or this, this developer is competing with another developer. At the end of the day, if the game is good and there are fans of it, it doesn't matter if there's another game within its genre. I mean... You look at Call of Duty and Battlefield. People call that competitors, and yet both are very successful because, first of all, they have a an, a fan base with those games. And second of all, they've released some really good games that has grown that fan base, which it, it is a good way of looking at it. If you put out a good game and gamers will play it, yes, you will be successful in the gaming industry. Now... That doesn't mean that bad games can't succeed and good games can fail. We have seen both of those happen before. But at the end of the day, if you have a good game, then people are going to play it most of the time. And yes, when you're talking about some games that are big within their genre, sometimes it can be tough to bring in another one, but that doesn't mean they can't be successful. Next up, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority has released their Phase 1 findings of the... Microsoft Activision Blizzard buyout. And they really went into detail about this. They released about a 76-page 
uh, detailed findings on this. And that's a lot to go through. I'm not going to go through all of that because I would be here for literally at least two hours. So I'm going to go over a few things from this uh, report. Now, the CMA found a pattern of Microsoft acquiring studios and making their upcoming games exclusive to Xbox. And we have seen that with ZeniMax Media, which is, of course, Bethesda, Starfield, was announced to be an Xbox exclusive, and it's highly implied that Elder Scrolls 6 is also going to be an Xbox exclusive. Obsidian, Outer Worlds 2, and Avowed are going to be exclusive to Xbox. In Exile, we, they are working on a game that is going to be an Xbox exclusive. We don't know too much about it. Ninja Theory, Bleed Net was released in 2020 as an Xbox exclusive, along with Hellblade 2 that is going to be an Xbox exclusive. And Compulsion, Midnight is going to be exclusively on xbox when it is going to be released however they also mentioned that there are examples of them not making their not making these games exclusive after purchasing the publishers double fine psychonauts 2 was released on multiple consoles in exile wasteland 3 compulsion we happy few was released on multiple consoles again with Zenimax media of course you have death loop and ghostwire tokyo and also continued support for elder scrolls online and fallout 76 on multiple consoles and, of course, Mojan and Minecraft continuing to be on every console, along with Dungeons and Legends also being a multi-console game. Now, this is a little bit to break down, and I'm just going to start with the games that have been on other consoles, and then I'll get into the exclusives. So with Double Fine and Psychonauts 2, that game had been in development for the longest time. We had already known that was going to be a console, a multi-console game. And Microsoft's decision to not make it a console exclusive, it was the right decision. They made the right decision, and that was a good decision on their part. Again, it was already announced for, for basically everything. Now, it did get the Xbox Series XX edition, not a PlayStation 5 edition, which, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. In Exile, Wasteland 3, okay, We Happy Few, yes. Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, those had been contracts that Sony had signed. It wouldn't have made much sense, really, to try to get out of that because these games were pretty much close to being done by the time that this was announced. So, yeah, that it just made more sense to just let the time exclusives happen and try to get out of them. And with Minecraft, why would you ever think to take that off of other consoles? It, it made no sense for them to do that. That's why they decided to do that. Now, I know people are going to point to Elder Scrolls 6 and wonder why they would make that an Xbox exclusive when it, Elder Scrolls 5 was on pretty much everything. And I just want to point this out. Elder Scrolls has had exclusive games before. So Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind was on Xbox alone, while Oblivion was on PlayStation 3 alone. I mean, I kind of understand both sides of it, but this one, you can kind of see the reason why, because it has worked as a console exclusive. Is it annoying? Yes, but since we have seen uh, this be a console exclusive before, I kind of see their point. Starfield, Starfield was never officially announced for consoles when it was announced that it was going to be an Xbox exclusive. Now, at the time when it was announced, None of this had happened, so we all assumed it was going to be on basically everything. And after Microsoft took over, it still had not been announced. Yes, it's a technicality, but it still makes sense. 
I understand where some people are really concerned with Microsoft just making everything Activision Blizzard uh, an exclusive, especially with Call of Duty. And I, I'm I'm still on the belief that it just doesn't make sense for them to make Call of Duty an exclusive. In fact, Microsoft actually had a a response to all of this. They had a response to this document and what they said was the concerns are misplaced for the following reasons and i'm gonna rate a few of them playstation sony has been the largest console platform for over 20 years with an installed base of over 150 million consoles making it larger than nintendo and more than double the size of xbox they said that in 2021 there were 280 exclusive first and third party titles on playstation nearly five times as many as on xbox didn't think the number was that high, but and they said that even if they took Call of Duty off of PlayStation, the PlayStation gamer base would remain significantly larger than Xbox is today. Xbox makes some pretty good points. Now, again, I don't understand why they would want to take Call of Duty off of a PlayStation making it an Xbox exclusive. I don't think that's a good business move. Now, you can say, well, they can absorb those costs because Microsoft is a trillion dollar company. But it still wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. And they have said that Sony is still the market leader in terms of the gaming industry. Yes. Yes. You know, this is just something where I just don't see how this is not going to go through. How this purchase is not going to go through. There's just too much for Xbox for it not to go through. Now, I know people are saying that Sony's just crying. They're just trying. They're just being a bunch of crybabies. But, you know... They're not just going to sit around and do nothing. They're going to make sure that, that their voice is heard on this and that they make sure that, again, with a title as big as Call of Duty, they want to make sure that Call of Duty is going to stay on PlayStation for as long as they can keep it on PlayStation. I mean, that's just what they're going to do. That's what Jim Ryan's doing. That's what his job is to do. Because, again, there's still competitors, and if you're talking about having the biggest video game franchise of them, it is something where you have to make sure you still have the game on your console. Next up, Microsoft has stated that Sony has blocked Game Pass from being on PlayStation. Now, this one is kind of phrased weird because it's not really blocked. I mean, there are two different console makers. And Sony has PlayStation Plus. Why would they want to put Game Pass on PlayStation? It's the same way why Microsoft would not want to have PlayStation Plus on the Xbox. This is kind of weird, and I don't really understand why this would be an issue, because it, it just doesn't make sense for PlayStation to put Game Pass on their console. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know what they were trying to do here, because this argument can just be thrown out the window right away. It's really weird. I don't know what their what their goal is for this. It just doesn't make sense. It's so weird. It's like, why would Sony want to have Game Pass on PlayStation when they have PlayStation Plus and they're pretty much competing with each other? It's very confusing. Now, maybe Microsoft tried to get Game Pass on PlayStation at one point and Sony rightfully probably laughed in their face probably what microsoft would do if sony came to them wanted to put playstation plus on the xbox that's just what they would have done this was just weird and i don't understand why microsoft would 
even state this. Uh, uh, yeah, I really don't understand this whatsoever. Next up, The Last of Us, Bella Ramsey, who was playing Ellie in The Last of Us TV show, she has stated that she was not encouraged to play the game. So she said, after my first audition, they asked me, have you played it, the game? And I said, no. They said, keep it that way. Now, this is both interesting and kind of confusing because when you're doing a project like this, you would want the actors to understand just what the source material is. And you have someone that was encouraged not to play the game. Now, she did say that she looked online to YouTube and did see some playthroughs of it, which, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But it is kind of weird. And I'm wondering what the, uh, what the show makers decided with this, why they wanted her not to play it, maybe to make the character her own. And I can kind of see that. But again, you don't see that too often where you have uh, the, the creators of the television show not wanting the actors to understand the source material. It's kind of weird, and I want to see how this show turns out. I really do. Next up, God of War Ragnarok is getting a PlayStation 5 bundle at its launch, and this was perfectly done by Sony. This was a brilliant idea for them to do. God of War Ragnarok is the biggest release that's left for this year, and it's releasing around the holiday season. And if you are announcing a PlayStation 5 bundle with this game, it's going to sell like hotcakes. It really is. This is a smart idea. Now, they did the same thing with Horizon Forbidden West. And it's just going to be even more successful. And with Sony now getting more stock with the PlayStation 5, it's the right time to do this. And it's just going to allow them to sell more consoles. It's going to allow more consoles to get into the hands of people that want these PlayStation 5s. And it's just going to really help sell God of War Ragnarok, even though it doesn't need any help at all. But it really is a great idea for Sony to do this. And they're just going to reap the rewards from this. Great idea, especially with the biggest game left of the year, the holiday season. And the fact that the PlayStation 5 is now starting to get better stock in. Yeah, great idea by Sony. Great idea. And the last thing I want to talk about is two games getting a Steam release. So the first one, Spider-Man Miles Morales is releasing on Steam November 18th. While Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time, is being released on Steam October 18th. I'm going to start Crash Bandicoot 4. This was one where we kind of thought that it was going to get a PC release, but we weren't sure if Crash 4 was going to have one. And now it's official. Crash 4 is going to have a Steam release October 18th. They sent out these packages to creators. And I was watching Canadian Guy Ace. And it was a pizza box. It was pretty cool. And it pretty much said Steam release October 18th. And then a few days later, it was announced. But there was also a little message in there as well. It was, I think it was along the lines of try our, like try our new flavor or try our new uh, type of pizza. It's only 1208. 1208 is the date for the Game Awards. So could we see something with Crash Bandicoot on the Game Awards? Jeff Keighley has announced the last two Crash Bandicoot games. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if that's what we're going to see. 
that's going to be interesting. So the Game Awards just got a whole lot more interesting. And then with Spider-Man Miles Morales, it was announced that we were going to get a PC release, but we weren't sure when it was going to come. Now we have it November 18th, and I know a lot of Steam fans are going to be happy about that because Spider-Man Miles Morales, remember, that was a PlayStation 5 launch title. It was a great game. It was the first PlayStation 5 game I played, and I had a lot of fun with it. It it was a really good game, and for anyone that has not tried it and has a Steam account, definitely go get it. It is worth your time. All right, guys, that was the gaming news for this week. I'm Diggs Gaming, and we will see you guys next time.